0: Welcome back. Uh, This is Dave and Sherry Everett uh, from Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Uh, We are back with our Bible studies. We've actually taken several weeks off. Uh, We've had a new move to Camarillo, California from Ontario, California. Anyway, I'm not going to go through all that detail, but anyway, we're here. We're back, and uh, we plan on being back here every week now for further notice. Anyway, so what we're doing when we're studying. Andrew Womack's book, Don't Limit God. And we are, I forget what week, week we're in, but uh, we're going to be picking it up uh, here in the, the chapter called Fear of Risk. Uh, but anyway, uh, we've been studying the book, Don't Limit God, by Andrew Wilmack. And if you go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org and go to our message pages, page and go to our series pages underneath our messages, you'll find all of our Bible studies from previous. And we're just picking up where we left off a few weeks ago. So, we apologize for kind of the hit and miss uh, with some transition we've had with COVID, and also uh, uh, we had a, a death in the family as well as uh, a move here to Camarillo, California. But anyway, here we are, we're back, and uh, we welcome you to, to join us uh, to put any comments. If you, in the comments, you can say hello, where you're from. Uh, ask any questions or whatnot, and we'll get back to you, whether it be during this live stream or whether it be, be, be getting back to you later. Uh, try to keep any of the, the comments or questions regarding what we're talking about and uh, uh, what not. Uh, any other uh, questions or whatnot. go ahead and just message us, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you privately about those. But anyway, here we are, uh, Don't Limit God, and once Sherry is uh, geared in here, she'll probably put a uh, uh, anyway, uh, someone in the comments too, and i tweet, uh, just reiterate what I just said about, feel free to make any comments or questions or whatnot. So we'll do, get that out there in the comments as soon as we can. Anyway, thank you for listening and joining us this afternoon, this evening, uh, wherever you may be at, uh, on the planet, and, uh, with Kizumi's Bible studies, we've been reaching people, uh, basically almost every continent, uh, in the country, in the world. And so, anyway... We're going to pick it up where we let us off with Don't Let Me from Womack. And Sherry's going to begin reading the chapter on the fear of risk.
1: Okay. And I also did put uh, on there in the comments our website. So you can look back at, like he, Dave said, other messages as well as the uh, beginning of this Bible study. So fear of risk. Many people fear the unknown because there is risk involved. We fear being uncomfortable. We don't like being stretched. But if we aren't living on the edge, we are taking up too much space and there's no way we'll avoid limiting God. It's exciting to be out there on the limb. My wife saw her mother and father get up every morning, go to work, come home, watch television, go to bed and do it all over again the next day. She prayed that her life would never be boring. Well, she got her prayer answered. Our lives are anything but boring. Don't be content with doing nothing but surviving and getting by. There is more to life than that. You need to have a purpose. You need to have something that drives you. You need to believe God for something big. Some of you might think, but if I was to do something risky, I might die. But what's the difference between dying and having a slow death, between dying and having a slow death due to being miserable and depressed? You just need to throw caution to the wind and go for it. We instinctively fear things we don't know. The Bible says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. 1 John four eighteen. If you really have a dynamic relationship with God, You don't need to fear the unknown. But after all, you may not know what the future holds, but you know the one that holds the future. God is never going to do anything to hurt you. He's always going to do things to bless you. You don't need to fear starting over again. Some people think, if I go to Bible college, God might call me to go to Africa. They are afraid of what God might ask them to do. But if God calls them to Africa, they would love it, it would be awesome. Some people are just afraid to do anything, that's why they are failing, they are playing it too safe. Second Kings chapter 7 is a good example of this. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come, and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold... There was no man there, for the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host, and they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent, and did eat and drink, and carried thence silver and gold and raiment, and went and hid it, and came again and entered into another tent, and carried thus also, and went and hid it. Then they said to one another, We do not we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now, therefore, come that we may go and tell the king's household. 2 Kings 7, 3-9 The Syrians had the people of God surrounded, and the siege had become so bad that they were actually selling animal dung at expensive prices. Two women killed one of their babies and ate him. The next day they were going to kill the other baby and eat him also. This was a severe famine, and the scripture says that the four lepers said to each other, Why sit here until we die? This has to be one of the most powerful statements in the Bible. Inside the city, people were eating their own children and animal dung. Can you imagine how bad it must have been outside the city for those outcasts? If anybody should have been afraid to do something, it should have been those lepers. If they went into the city, they would die. But if they stayed outside the city, they would also die. If they decided to go to the enemy, sorry, they decided to go to the enemy knowing that the worst thing that could happen to them was that they would die. I love that reasoning. These four lepers were in dire straits, yet they said, why sit here till we die? If we looked at this from an emotional, logical standpoint, We would see that this was the smartest thing for the lepers to do it was their only chance of survival these lepers had to go out and take a risk this was the only choice that made sense when the lepers got out there the lord caused the syrians to hear the sound of an army they thought the israelites had hired the egyptians to fight against them so they panicked and fled food was still cooking on the fires and they left their gold silver raiment animals, everything. When the lepers got to the Syrian camp, nobody was there. So they went in and found food and began to eat. They also found gold and silver. Instantly they went from a state of poverty and starvation to being the richest people around. They had so much they couldn't handle it all. Finally they said, what we're doing isn't good. We need to go back and tell the people in Samaria what has happened. So they went back and became heroes and it was all because they took a chance by going out and facing the possibility of losing their lives they took a risk when i was in the baptist church we used to sing a song that says wherever he leads will go then the missionaries would come up and talk about a total commitment to the lord which usually meant going to africa to live in a grass hut they thought if someone absolutely surrendered to God, he was going to do something terrible to them. But that is not the way God does things. He will send somebody to Africa, but when he does, he will put the desire in his or her heart to be there. That person will love it.
0: Alright, well, thank you, Sherry, and thank you guys for joining us online. Again, we're going through our Bible study on Don't Limit God. Uh, we're picking it up uh, where we left off uh, several weeks ago. Actually, uh, we're sorry for this long recess to get back to these Bible studies, and we plan on keeping them going on going. If you're uh, on line, feel free to say hello on the, on, on the comments below. Maybe even where you're from, especially if you're out of the area um, or a different country. Uh, feel free to make any comments, questions, or whatnot, hopefully pertaining to what we're talking about. But we're talking about don't limit God. And Sherry just started narrating for us uh, uh, the, the chapter that's entitled The Fear of Risk. And she read uh, Andrew's uh, book on this. And specifically uh, introduced uh, Andrew's main context here from Second Kings chapter 7 about four leopards. Four leopards who, uh, they were in a dire situation like, Well, if we just stay here, we're going to die. If we go in, we're going to die. So let's take a risk. And they went in and... Uh, uh, the Syrians had left and fled, and they they found food cooking on the stove, uh, for the most part, uh, and all all, all their uh, needs being met. And they actually became her- heroes in Israel because they took a risk. Uh, they were the most the the least uh, people that you would think that would be the heroes. These lepers, who were because of their disease, because of the law, uh, they were basically the outcasts of society. Uh, they, they 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 were. Uh, Put out, with, put out of the camp and whatnot, and uh, they were forbidden to socialize. Well, you know, in some ways, uh, even though most of us probably are watching this, are not sick as far as the COVID is concerned, but we, we've kind of all been outcasts, <laughs> you know, we're kind of like, what can we do in our home? What can we do? And some of you, I don't know about you, but uh, uh, sometimes we're like, what can we do? What can we do to make a difference? What can we do to help in a certain situation? What can we do with our lives? Uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I'm reminded of the story of, the, of the, the, the widow who had nothing, you know. And uh, uh, she, the prophet Elijah, uh, had her go get all the, the, the jars in her neighborhood and all, she, all of her neighbors. And uh, there was a miracle of the oil multiplying to pay off her debts. You know, um, so many stories we have in the Bible about God using what we have. Uh, you know, God can take what we have, whether it's oil, whether it's the God sending ravens, Moses staff, uh, whatever we have, God can use what we have. Uh, but sometimes we got to take risks. And, you know, um, a lot of times I find out, you know, we're talking about don't limit God. And a lot of times I find out if what God calls us to do is usually going to be bigger than what we we can do. It's it's usually going to cost more. It's usually going to and there's usually going to be risk involved. One, because we have to trust Him. If something God has called us to do is something you can do in the natural, then part of me would question is that something God's really called you to do? Because if it's something you can trust you to do, if it's something you can trust in your resources, something you can trust in your wisdom, then uh i i i and i I question whether that's totally from God because God usually um, when I read the Bible when I read scripture, I find that God usually calls men and women to do things that are beyond they can do the book of Ruth, the book of Esther for ladies uh, there's other stories uh, uh david and, and 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 joseph and daniel uh the the stories go on and on and on you know God usually calls them to do something that's beyond their natural abilities. You know uh, Moses and the children of Israel before the Red Sea. And God told them to go forward. Well, how did they going go forward with the sea in their backside and the 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 the, the, the nation the Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's army uh, coming at them with mountains all around? Them? They're just they're they're in a uh, they sitting duck. But yet God told them to go forward, and uh, and and their escape and their exodus and their their their, their journey was uh, their. Uh, when God met every need from water out of a rock to to man of from heaven and every need they met God met it, met their needs even in, in, in even when they were uh punished to wander around the wilderness for forty years, their clothes didn't wear out uh he still fed them he still took care of their needs supernaturally even uh but anyway, trying to get back to but sometimes we have to take risks and, and and you know uh we're getting into a world that is, you know, some, some of the, the comforts of life are actually becoming scarce now. And where we as a church, we as a body of Christ, we as the children of God, if we are going to find times <coughs> where we're going to have some take some risks. Esther kind of said the same thing. If I perish, I perish. You know, but God has sent me to be the queen for such a time as this so she could be a hero. Uh, Not that we're all setting out to be heroes in one sense. sense, But if we can save one life, one life to come to Christ, one marriage to turn around, one need that we can be met, to me it's worth it. It's worth the risk. And so I don't want to, I thank God for all the comforts. I thank God for meeting my needs and he will continue to meet my needs. But I know there's going to be times it's going to take risks. It's going to take risks to not sometimes just meet our needs. But sometimes it's going to take risks to do something. And, uh, and I don't want to become so complacent. I don't want to become so self-centered that it's just about me. I don't want to also do something in my own strength, in my own, my own lust. Even in ministry, I don't want to just uh, get, a, get a, a big notion to go do something. And I don't pray about it. I'm not led by the Spirit and I'll just go out and do my own thing. I'm not talking about that type of risk. That's foolishness. Uh, there's a difference between risk and foolishness. And uh, there's, there's a difference between, lack of a better word, stupidity, and just being a fool, and just taking risks. There's sometimes steps of faith. There's sometimes even leaps of faith. Sometimes uh, we have to put all in, almost like a poker table. I'm not talking about gambling, but at the same point in time, I'm just using that as an illustration. Sometimes we have to be all in. And so, uh, and we got to trust God. When He says walk around the wall, when he says cast your net on the other side, when he says come, walk under water sometimes we have to take a risk because he says come, and it doesn't always mean comfortable, it sometimes doesn't, there's sometimes natural logical, practical wisdom is not going to work uh, James chapter 3 talks about there's a wisdom that's essential, it's earthly, he also calls it demonic, but there's also a wisdom that comes from above, and we need the wisdom of God, and Proverbs, Solomon says that wisdom cries out to us in the streets. God is not hiding things from us. He also says in the book of James, if we need wisdom, he will give it to us liberally. But sometimes that wisdom revolves with. And it was a risk for these lepers to come in. Not only were they the enemy, but they also were lepers. You know, They were doing everything. The, 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 the woman uh, with the issue of blood, she took risks to come and, and touch the hem of his garment to receive her healing. She could have been stoned. We're doing that. That was against the law. That was something she was not allowed. To, she should have she was supposed to be outcast just like these leopards because of the, the the issue of blood. But she took a risk. Sometimes we have to take risks. But we have to hear from God. Anyway, Sherry, you want to say anything?
1: Um, just just a, a couple things to piggyback. You know, when when we take risks, and and this is just my heart on what Andrew and and even Dave are sharing. It really boils down to trusting God. What He has put on your heart and you believe Him. You know, the Israelites could have been in the Promised Land a lot sooner. Like 40 years sooner. But they didn't believe God. They actually said that they, they thought that God brought them out to the wilderness to die. When he had it all, had them all taken care of. And it's the, the, the same with us. If we believe God and he puts something on our heart, we're just to trust him. You know, Dave's uh, been preaching on Sunday mornings on walking in the fear of the Lord. And that, that fear is a, a reverence, a, a trust, a believing in God no matter what's going on around you. And that's the key to success. That's the the key to to not limiting God is just that trusting Him. You know, um, when I first met Dave, I I get we can't choose and handpick our families. But Dave's family, I would have picked in a heartbeat. His, His parents, I love you, Dad and Mom. But his aunt and uncle, Uncle Steve and Aunt Nancy, and their kids and grandkids, I, I've taken to my, my heart. And his, his Uncle Steve and Aunt Nancy were pastors. And if I'm understanding the, their story right, when they got married, they took off in the car and drove and were led to go minister where God led him to go. That's not limiting God. They trusted in God to lead them to where they were to go minister. And I believe that was the right story, right? I believe so. And they are probably one, besides my own parents, especially my dad, Uncle Steve and Aunt Nancy were where we learned how to be pastors. You know, Dave went to Bible school. Um, We both went to Bible school. We've been around other pastors. But it was Uncle Steve and Nancy's love and care uh, for, the for the church that Beautiful. that that really impacted our lives to be able to go do that. You know, uh, personally, we just took a step of faith to to move here to to our new location. In the natural, maybe not everything looked like it was lining up, but we trusted God. Um, we even had something this week that. That kind of hurt, but God has given us several words to to move forward and to trust Him. And if I didn't have God in my life to be able to to fall back on or to to light my path, so to speak, uh, to show me the next step, I don't know what I would do without without Him. I mean, I I just I can't. I can't fathom that. I desperately need God in my life and just my relationship with him has enabled me to to trust. I personally, I don't like change. I kick and scream against change like a toddler. I just don't like change. I like the same way to go to work. I like the same, 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 same. But he has been preparing us for change. for for a new direction, and that is exciting because I know I can trust God. I know that even if it's getting through the wilderness to get to the, the promised land, I know my God will supply our needs. I know my God will lead us and guide us, make a way through the desert, whatever it might be. I just know my God, and I know He'll do that for you. You know, we we have friends uh, going in the mission field, they're trusting God. We actually have friends who have a ministry in Africa. And I wish you would listen to their story, um, but they they didn't. I mean, if I recall, they never would have dreamed of going to Africa to start this ministry. But they're doing it, they're discipling people in the Lord. And it doesn't have to be Africa. You could be a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home dad, whatever it might be. You could be in IT or work at a graveyard shift and God still uses you. Just trust Him.
0: You know, one of the things Andrew says here in this section before we read this little further, says, if you really have a dynamic relationship with God, you don't need to feel the unknown. You know, Sherry just said, you know, we don't like change. Even good change can be scary because there's a lot of unknown. And Sherry and I, were actually in a season of change right now. And there's some areas and there's been some setbacks that have actually been kind of scary and in the natural. And we can choose to, again, feed. I talked about this before when this Bible said we can feed our fears and starve our faith, or we can feed our faith and starve our fears. We have that choice. And uh, it doesn't come automatically. We have to, and faith comes from hearing the word of God. We need to hear from God. Not just His written word, that, that, obviously that, but we also need to have a relationship with God. And uh, Sherry was saying something uh, that kind of triggered that, I forget that exactly when she said it. But we need to trust God. Well, it's hard to trust God without having a relationship with Him. With that relationship with God leads to trusting Him. How do you know what change to make? How do you know what direction to go? There's so many times I'm on the fork of the road, like, Lord, where did I go? Left, right, or stand still? You know, and uh, uh, we have to have a relationship with God. Jesus didn't do anything He didn't hear His Father do. And we talk about this so much, especially even in this Bible study. We have to have a relationship with God. We are not here promoting religion. We're here promoting a relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, and have a relationship with God. and. Out of that relationship, God will guide us. He, he gave us His Holy Spirit as our comforter, as our guide, as our teacher. And, we, and when He teaches us something, when He shows us something, we need to trust Him. And some of those things that God has us do, some of the changes, some of the unknown He leads us to, may require, require risk. But if we're trusting God, and if we have a dynamic relationship with God... And as Andrew says, we do not need to fear the unknown. You know, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus and not the storm. He, he, you know, it reminds me of Psalm twenty-three that he he uh, he shall be my shepherd and shall not. I shall not. Let me go there real quick. Show with me if you have your Bibles, Psalm twenty-three. And I was just gonna try to rephrase, uh, paraphrase it, but let's go there real quick. Psalm chapter twenty-three. Let's read this psalm real quick. I think it's very fitting when we're talking about the risk and the unknown. <coughs> Excuse me one second. As I get, my iPad just kind of wakes up here. So, um, but we need to have a relationship with God. He's, he's our God. He's our Daddy. He's our Shepherd. And so, thank you, Sherry. Thank you again, Sherry. Right. Well, God said I would have a helpmate and there she is All right. the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the still waters he restores my soul he leads me in the <coughs> me. of righteousness that's a right relationship with God for his name's sake yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You know, I, and, then, and I, I want to just zero in on real quick. Though I walk through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff, they do comfort me. You know, on Sunday morning, Sherry may mention that I've been talking about walking in the fear of the Lord. And one of my key verses is from Acts 9.31. And it talks about how the early church, i got to paraphrase this, though, so, know, how they, they walked in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of of the Holy Spirit, and they were multiplied. They walked in the fear of the Lord. Again, the fear of the Lord, Sherry uh, again touched on this, the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God, it's having a reverence for God. It's being in awe of God. It's a respect and honor towards God. It's trusting God. It's relying on God and His Word and having a relationship with Him. And if if the Holy Spirit is our, if we're walking in the fear of the Lord, trusting Him, reverencing Him, And walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing to fear folks. Even with all that's going on in our world. In the the day and age that we're living in. All that's going on in society. All that's going on uh, even in our own lives. uh, There's nothing to fear because His rod and His staff, they comfort us. He leads us. We have a big daddy. We have a big God. And the key is we need to stay under the shelter of the Almighty we need to be in a relationship with him we need to stay under the shadow of his wings we need to be in relationship we have to guard that you know i did a, a teaching on the book of revelation uh sometime last year i believe it was and I, I spent two two days on the uh two weekend week uh two sundays on the on the on the chapter 1 and i spent two sundays on chapters uh 2 and 3 about the seven letters to the churches And I spent one Sunday on chapters 4 through 22. And uh, and some people, that's usually what they focus on, is chapters 4 and verse 22. And I understand there's a lot there, and there's a lot that I'm not even prepared to teach, and I don't even want to teach. And not because I don't think it's important, that's not my point. My point is, there's so much focus on all the calamity and different things, that the title of my message for this teaching in the book of Revelation, was seeing Jesus in the Revelation. Because when I read the book of Revelation, I see it's about revealing Jesus. Because no matter what's going on, whether everything is a bed of roses and everything is going well, and we're prospering, we're healthy, life is good, or whether we're going through the storm of our life, or whether all hell is breaking use, or we're in the last days as we are and everything's going backwards, everything's upside down, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Whether it's going well whether it's going bad, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We don't need to focus on on the stuff. I'm not saying we don't need to be aware of things. I'm not saying we need to be tuned in with some things. But we have to keep our focus on Jesus. Because no matter how it plays out, no matter how it unfolds, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And me as a pastor, that's, as a, my job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And there's a ministry out there that's unknown. There's a ministry out there that we all have a part to play that's risky uh, and uh, whatnot. And, and we have to be equipped. And I can only equip you with one thing, Jesus and his word. And His Holy Spirit. I can't equip you. If I can help, I will help. I will help in any way I can. But I, you can't trust me. You can trust Jesus. I can't always be there, but Jesus is. I don't know how it's all going to unfold. I don't know what's going to happen uh, uh, in, in your situation, in your life. And the and, and things are happening to us globally and, and, and locally right now. But we can. I can promise you Jesus. I can give you the Word of God. I can lead you to the God of your salvation. I can lead you to the Word of God, and, and then walking with the Holy Spirit. Because He did not give us a spirit of fear, but power of love and the sound mind. Like. There's risk to take. And that, that's part of the admonition that Andrew's trying to say. Now we, some of us need to get out of our boat. Some of us have been complacent too long. Some of us are playing, uh, playing the fear card too long. And I understand there's fear. I understand there's wisdom. but And, 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 and I'm not talking about doing something foolish. I'm also not talking about doing something just to do something. I'm not talking about just uh, 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 being in the flesh. We can do ministry in the flesh. We can do all kinds of good, noble things in the flesh. I'm talking about having a relationship with God. And when He tells you to do something, when He tells you to go somewhere, if He tells you to give you all that you have, whatever He tells you to do, do it. He's your master. Because there's more where it comes from. He's, he's, your, he's the author of your faith. He's the author of your life. He's your creator. He's your savior. He's your king. He's your God. Trust him. But do what he says. Don't play it safe all the time. Sometimes we play it too safe and we do nothing. These leopards, they could have played it safe and died, or they could have taken a risk and died. And Andrew is saying, sometimes there's a time to take a risk. Sometimes there's a time to, 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 to you know what? It, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing and expect a different result. How many times have you circled this mountain? How many times have you tried the same thing and got the same result? And sometimes it's, trying to start, it's time to try something new. Sometimes it's time to tr- start a new, new book or a new record or a new, ch- <coughs> a new chapter. Play a new song. If you're tired of the scenery, sometimes it's time to take a risk. Hopefully, I'm ministering or saying something that's beneficial. Um, I think Sherry's looking up something here real quick. Can I help?
1: I actually had a couple of verses come to mind. Maybe Dave can find it. Um, I think I got the the keywords mixed up, but um, in all of this talk about taking a risk and trusting God, you know, God not only wants the best for us, but He wants us to prosper, spirit, soul, and body. And I know Dave touched on it this morning, uh, verse in Psalms um, about th- that God delights in the prosperity of His servant. But there's a, a New Testament verse, and I want to say it's in either in James or Peter or around there. <laughs> you can help me out here, Dave. But the the prayer of I'll just say James, and maybe I'm wrong, but James's prayer was that that you would prosper and be in health Oh,
0: 3rd John
1: 3rd John, okay, so John wrote it that that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers God wants you to prosper, we're not talking about finances, even though that is part of it we're talking about God wants you to, to prosper spirit, soul, and body your your heart, your, your mind your emotional and spiritual well-being being, He wants you to prosper there. That goes with not walking in fear. That that goes with trusting God that you can step out of the boat and walk on the water like, like Peter. You can step out of your comfort zone and, and be sent wherever God's called you to do. It, he doesn't just want you to be prosperous in your health. That's part of it. That's part of why He went to the cross. But He wants every single bit of you spirit soul and body to, to prosper. And you know that's pretty big. You know when you when you think about creation all the way to the cross and what Jesus accomplished on the cross, you can see throughout the, the whole Bible that that God God takes care of us and he supplies all of our need. You know, I, Part of that relationship with God is knowing His Word, His Written Word and the Living Word, Jesus. But the Written Word has so many stories, true stories, of people who did not limit God. They trusted God and He took them from wherever they were, whether it be like Moses and Joshua leading the Israelites out of captivity into the Promised Land it could be ones like Joseph who was sold into slavery and ended up saving the nations because of all that he went through going to, into slavery and into, into prison and then being promoted as Pharaoh's right hand and saved nations because of the famine. You know, God uses us and can use us if all we have to do is trust Him and, and believe in Him. And again, there's so many stories, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They went, they went into captivity. They went into something totally foreign to them. They were even thrown into a fiery furnace because they, they wouldn't bow down. And yet, they got saved th- from that that fur- furnace. In fact, it says nothing, not one bit of them was singed or they even had the smell of smoke. All because they trusted God. And the the king made a, a decree that the nations would would um, would fear God just because of these three men who took the risk who said, "No, we're not going to bow down to anyone else but our God," and they trusted God. And again, you know, all the all the apostles went through hell, you, you know, with. with Being uh, persecuted in different things, and yet Peter, you know, Peter with his mouth and some of the stupid things Peter did and said. Yet after the cross, Peter stood up and preached the gospel. And what? Three thousand were saved. Take a risk. Trust God. You know His gospel is true.
0: Well, let's go ahead and read some more, Sherry, if you can. Uh, The title of this little section is a smashing success.
1: Fear of failure is a big deal. When we are afraid of failure, we will not step out or risk doing what God told us to do. God has good plans for us. Jeremiah 29, 11. We limit God when we are afraid to step out and do something because we think we might fail. I believe the biggest failure is when we play it too safe because we are afraid of making a mistake. We will all make mistakes. It will happen. But God is not going to fall off his throne because of it. When we moved into the building that we are in right now, we moved from a 14,600 square foot building to an uh, excuse me a 110,000 square foot building. This was a major deal for us, and we did it debt free. It was awesome. When we were constructing our current facility, we tried to complete it by August so we could start the school year in the new building but it wasn't finished until November. During the dedication service, one of my students asked me if I was disappointed that we weren't able to move into our new building in August. I said, no, I am not disappointed. I am just thrilled that we are here at all. We raised $3.2 million above our normal expenses in 14 months. I'd call that a smashing success. We were shooting for August, but being three months late was no big deal. I've never done anything perfectly in my life, so it didn't bother me. If we shoot for the stars and miss, but hit the moon, that's still better than what most people do. If you're afraid of doing something because you may not do it perfectly, you'll never get anything done. You need to go for it. God's bigger than your mistakes.
0: Thank you, sir. I don't have a lot to say on this little, it's kind of an echo of something we've already said. But just, uh, you know, go for it. You know, God put something on your heart. We're just big on that. And yeah, I know you can't see it in the video, but we, hey, when him moved in moving, we pulled out our picture. Uh, it really is our theme verse of wow, we even started this ministry. Uh, it's from Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. And I'm just going to read it, or I quote it the way that we heard it when it ministered to us. But it says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to him with that desire. Trust him with that desire. And he, not you, will bring that desire to pass. You know, God says he will give you desires of your heart. I think that can be interpreted in two different ways. First of all, he will fulfill the desires that you have. He will give you. He's a good daddy. What any good father, what any good parent, what any good friend or wife or spouse would not give good gifts. Uh you know, usually people ask me that and I know me, what do you want for Christmas? What would you like for your birthday? You know, that you don't give something that I don't want, you know, you give you give someone what they desire. We have a good daddy that loves us. He doesn't mind giving us good gifts. Now we're not gonna give someone uh, you know, you're not going to give your five-year-old a Ferrari, a car. You know, not that they wouldn't even want that at that age, but still, you know, you're not going to give them something that's not good for them. But at the same point in time, you're going to, you know, if you can, if it's within within reason, obviously. But even if it's even for the stretch, sometimes you know, we give elaborate gifts to one another. We go all out on certain gifts. You know, God likes going all out. But that's only one way to interpret that. I believe that a better way of interpreting that verse verse and verse 4 is that he, He's the one that put that desire to begin with. I believe a lot of the desires that we have are, 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 are something that we already desire. God can see that in us. He, if, especially, if, again, going back to relationship with God. If we are having a relationship with God, and it's dynamic, it's it's, just, it's tight, it's good, if, I'm not saying it's perfect. I don't, I don't know of any relationships out there that are perfect. But that they're good. That they're, 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 they're well. They're healthy. Uh, and so, um, I, but, you know, he even says we all make mistakes. Even relationships, we all have speed bumps in the road once in a while. And I'm not, I'm not trying to advocate that. But just, you know, it's part of life. But at the same point in time, uh, in a good, healthy relationship, even a good, healthy relationship knows the how to handle those speed bumps. Knows how to handle when uh, uh, the, the different uh, there's, there's different ways of life and, and anyway, but I, I believe God is the one that gave us those desires and it goes on to say, commit your way to Him with those desires trust Him with those desires and He will bring those that desire to pass you know, we I, this is key for us because when we started going to Bible college Sherry mentioned that a few minutes ago back in 2013 we had just come out of we were just coming out of a season and actually, we were still let me rephrase that we were actually still in the middle of a season where we had lost everything. From 2009 to 2013, we lost our home, we lost our jobs, we lost our cars, we lost our phones, we lost everything. We we just lost everything, and uh, it, was a, it was just a hard time for us. And uh, we even in the middle of that, we even lost our purpose, uh, and so that was probably the hardest part of it all. And uh, um, but at the same point in time. Uh, Andrew Womack, who wrote this book, has a Bible college, and he had an extension school. And at that time, there was an extension school opening up in Ontario, California, where we were re- where we weren't residing there yet. But we lost everything. And uh, anyway, we were we, we wanted to go, yet we didn't have money to put up food on the table. We didn't have money to do anything. We didn't have a job. We didn't have a car, uh, let alone pay pay uh, 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 a tuition. At the same point in time, you know. Uh, we had a desire to go, and so we had enough. We were able to borrow a car. We went to the open house event that they had, and and, uh, uh, and kind of a, uh, a preview of the college. And and so we went, and we just both felt led to sign up, not part time, but full time. Not just one, but both of us, full time. You know, it, it, that was a risk. In one sense, the <coughs> word it was a risk, but you know, it's like. We could lose everything. Well, we already lost everything. We were already on the bottom. How can you go any further when you're already there? Uh, we've been camping out on the bottom for five years. Uh, we, can't, we can't go any further. Uh, we, it's like, how could it get any worse? And it just didn't seem practical, It didn't seem natural. But that was the desire of our heart. I didn't have a job yet. Uh, where was the money going to come from? Sherry, <coughs> I just started working some caregiving again and, and whatnot. And, and so... Uh, we, actually, we actually went to this open house where she had a split shift. And we borrowed a car to, to take her to work. We took, we picked her, I picked her up. We went to this Bible college and went to go take her back to her shift. And, uh, and uh, uh, after signing up, registering, we had a little bit of money. We were going to put that towards the car and get in the phone again. and But God said, sign up. And so we did. We took a risk. And, I, and doing that, when I dropped it off within an hour of signing up full time, I got a job for the first time in five years. I landed a job. It was at Toys R Us, a toy store. Uh, but I got a job for the first time in five years. Uh, Jan, coming January, I got laid off that job. But uh, um, and then uh, I got, you know, I was able to start restart my business, which is bookkeeping, and I had eleven clients right off the bat. I couldn't. I was struggling to get clients before, but I got eleven clients. But long story short, I could go through the whole thing, but we've been trying to get jobs. I, we were with 30 temp agencies. I couldn't even land an interview for five years. And with, when one hour of doing what God told me to do, even though it made no sense in the natural, I got a job. And since that time, we've had a home. God has met our needs. God has given us over three free vehicles. Uh, we are now in a place financially where we, we're better now than we've ever been. We've had some struggles. Uh, and we're not done everything perfect, but he's got us on a budget uh, uh, and different things. And, and now that we're in another situation uh, that, and, uh, and that can be a, a major hiccup in the road, uh, God has, 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 has uh, uh, met every single need. Now, I say we have more money than we ever had before, but we've had some situations over the last couple of years. We, we took in a family and we've been doing different things. And so some of that money has gone uh, we just have a situation. I'm not going to go in detail where someone just majorly took advantage of us, and we're not here to, to spill those beans and talk talk about that. But uh, and, and so we have some situations where where if we didn't play our we don't play our cards right, we don't if we didn't have God in our court and we didn't have different things, we could be in the risk going back to the same situation we were back in 2009, losing everything. But and we made some moves, we made some changes here to get to where we are. Uh, could we moved to Camarillo because we felt like God called to be here. And there's some things that have kind of backfired on us, but we're going to trust God. We're not going to limit God. We're going to trust God. And, uh, you know, and uh, God has met our needs before, and He's going to meet our needs now. He, he's always going to meet our needs. We're going to do our part, and we're going to do, and more importantly, when I say we're going to do our part, we need to do what He tells us to do. You know, that includes working. That includes doing things. That includes sometimes doing things we don't want to do. Uh, and so and that includes taking some risk. And so, anyway, I just shared some of that testimony. I, and I didn't even plan on sharing some of that. Uh, but, you know, as we commit our way to Him, trusting Him, He says He will bring it to pass. We're not going to bring it to pass. He is. That doesn't mean we don't work. You know, another verse that comes to mind. Uh, go with me real quick if you have your Bibles. is Psalm chapter 90. Psalm 90. And we'll go to verse 17. The last verse in Psalm 90. And it says, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Let the beauty of the Lord be upon us. You know, we had a Bible study one time a couple of years ago, and we had this one lady. She was the only one that showed up. And when we only have one some person show up, I usually ask if we can do the the Bible lesson that we're planning on doing, or we can you can ask me any question, and we'll, we'll we can we can talk about anything you want to talk about. This, you came, this is for you. And she had a question. She had she was like I don't understand this verse. What does this verse mean? And I I didn't plan on talking about it and and whatnot. And I was like. And we actually talked an hour, over an hour on this verse, Psalm 90, the, the beauty of the Lord. You know, God makes everything beautiful. God has never made a piece of junk. He God has never created anyone that's not beautiful. God makes everything beautiful. God does not make anything evil. God doesn't make anything imperfect. God makes everything beautiful. God is beautiful. He's a definition of beauty. And uh, and so it says, let the beauty of the Lord be upon us. And if it's not beautiful, it's not God. And uh, and uh, and uh, you know, God can make anything that we any mess that we've made. God can take our lives. He can take our junk, and He can make it beautiful. He can make it beautiful again. And he, and He says, and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. He he, he emphasizes it. He he gives a double blessing on the same. Yeah, he. Will establish the work of our hands for us. We bless our hands. You know, sometimes I've, one of our Bible college students, Barry Bennett, talked about in one of his classes how he would hear so many students say, You know what, I hate my job. I hate this, I hate that, I don't like my job. And in other words, he was saying, He was encouraging and admonishing them, he says, Why are you cursing your field?" I understand, we all understand we might have jobs and tasks and responsibilities and situations we don't like. But don't curse your field. Don't speak negative about it. While you're there, be a blessing. Bless your boss. Bless your employer. Bless, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening in our world and our government I don't agree with. But we're supposed to pray for them. We're supposed to pray for our governors. We're supposed to pray for our mayors. We're supposed to pray for our president. And if we spend as much time praying for them as we do complaining about them, in other words, you know, there's one man I know, I I forget his name, but anytime someone would complain about the pastor, or someone would complain about the pastor, actually his name was Charlie Pryor. Charlie Pryor said anytime anyone came to complain about the pastor, he would stop them right in the middle of that conversation, and he would just start praying for the pastor. He would take every complaint, he would take every negativity, and start turning into a prayer. He wasn't going to have any negativity. He was going to turn every negative comment about the pastor, the president, or any government and turn it into prayer. Because that's what the Bible says. That's what the New Testament Paul tells us to do. And uh, different things. Uh, And so we're supposed to pray for them. I'm not saying there's not things that need to be said. I I believe we need to take a stand. I believe we need to stand up for some things. I'm advocating that. I'm not talking against that. But we need to spend more time. <clears throat> praying for them that we do, even advocating different things. Uh, hopefully, I'm making sense. We need to stand for right. We need to stand for righteousness. We need to stand, but we need to be praying. We need to be praying, and uh, and so uh, hopefully you're hearing my heart on that. But uh, I'm saying it's a lot of different things. But there's risk involved. But we need, God will establish the work of our hands. His beauty will establish the work of our hands. In the the midst of chaos, in the midst of anarchy, in the midst of (coughs) all the evil going on in our world today, God will establish the work of our hands. You know, it reminds me of, of Israel when they were in Goshen. And when all the plagues came on Egypt. It was beautiful. The, it, when, even when it was dark in Goshen, it was light in Goshen. I mean, it was dark in Egypt, it was light in Goshen. It didn't affect them. I'm not saying some things didn't affect them, and to so some levels. But uh, God has a, a way of protecting us, a way of preserving us. Like preserves jams and different fruits of, that you would preserve. God can preserve us, but we need to have a relationship with Him. We need to be in the shelter of Almighty We need to trust Him. We need to commit our way to Him. Trust in Him, knowing that He will bring it, the desire in our hearts to pass. He will bring us to our desire haven. He He will lead us to green pastures. He will lead us by still waters. He will restore ourselves. His beauty will establish the work of our hands for us. He has established the work of our hands. We will make mistakes along the way. It will happen. But God is not going to fall off the throne because we messed up. I don't care. Maybe we're in a situation where you have just done it. You have. I mean, you just messed it up. You just messed it up big time. Folks, friends, God is in the restoring business. I can give you scripture after scripture after scripture. How God, when he restores, he restores double. He even says in Isaiah chapter 61, I think it's verse 7, that instead of shame, you shall have double honor. Maybe you've done something very shameful, but instead of shame, you shall have double honor. But you need to trust him. You need to commit your way to him. You need to rely on him. You need to, he needs to be your God. And you don't, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path straight. Even getting you back on path. He can ha- he can change your darkness. He can change your morning into dancing again. All right, I had a lot to say there, more than I thought I had to say. Okay. Anything you want to say, Cher? Uh, no, I think I'm
1: good.
0: Good. Okay. Um, let's read one more little section. One more section here, and then we'll probably uh, wrap it up for the night.
1: Okay. Fear of failure. Before God told me that I had limited him, we had come to a place in our ministry where we were reaching people, finances were coming in, and it was relatively comfortable. So I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to run the risk of failing. Fear of failure will make you fail worse than anything else. It's better to actually step out and believe God, and if you fail, let God pick you up and dust you off so you can get up and go again. The worst failure of all is being paralyzed to the point that you do nothing. You may be living very well. You may have trophies and awards sitting on your shelf, but you've never discovered the purpose you were created to fulfill. Maybe you've succeeded by your own strength and power. There are lost people who do that, but they aren't fulfilled in their hearts. They don't experience the same joy as those who know they're doing what God called them to do. You were made with a purpose. God's got more for you than what the vast majority of you are experiencing. You have to get rid of this fear of failure. It's insanity to pray for your life to be different and then keep doing the same thing. If you do the same thing, you're going to get the same results. Do something different. Even if it's wrong, do something different. It would be better to run the risk of trying something else than to try nothing because you are afraid. Do something different. If nothing else, you'll find out that's not it, and you can check one more thing off your list. Don't be afraid. The biggest failures in life are those who play it so conservatively that they don't risk anything. You have to go for it. The world is looking for God. They are looking in all the wrong places, and one of the reasons is because the people who are born again aren't living in the fullness of their God-given calls. Your life should be a testimony. If you would catch on fire for God, the world would come and watch you burn. How do we get rid of fear? Perfect love casts out fear, 1 John 4.18. We need to recognize that God made us for a purpose. He designed us for a purpose. We have such a fear of being different that we don't want to get outside of the box. It's better to confront fear now than to wait until we die and have the Lord ask, Why didn't you do what I told you? We may reply, Well, God, I made a lot of money. I was super successful. I was the head of the PTA. I was on the city council. I did this. I did that. He will say, But that's not what I called you to do. Why didn't you do what I called you to do? All of our trophies and achievements aren't going to seem like Very much if God says, I created you for this, and you never did it. You never believed me. We may not have resisted it, but because of fear of failure, laziness, fear of change, or other reasons, we never really embraced it. If we stand before the Lord and He says, here's what I created you to do, we will say, I knew that in my heart. That's a dream I had. I knew that there was something more. When we finally came to a place in our ministry where we weren't worried about how we were going to survive, we could have stayed at that place and God would have still loved me. But when I stand before the Lord someday, He would have said, I've called you to do a lot more than what you did, but you limited me. When God spoke to me about taking the limits off Him, we started expanding and getting aggressive. We were living on the edge. If God didn't come through, if this wasn't God, we were in big trouble. I became fearful. We had left that 14,000 square foot building and moved into a 110,000 square foot building. That was a little scary. Looking back we can see that the building has more than paid for itself. Our income has increased proportionally so we have 4 to 5 times as much extra money as we had when we were doing things on a smaller scale. This is because we were where God called. Us to be. The blessings are so much greater now. What we are doing is much more beneficial. It'll be the same for you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to do something special in your life.
0: Alright, thank you, Sherry. Yeah, thank you again, everyone. Again, we're, we're going through Andrew's Womack's book on Don't Limit God. We're midway through, I think we're in the third chapter here. Uh, but anyway, uh, lot I, I, I was highlighting a lot of notes that Sherry was reading, so I want to just go through these so, somewhat quickly because we're almost out of time for the day. But, but the first one, let me just piggyback on some of these like, in order uh, as I highlight them. It's insanity to pray for your life to be different and then keep doing the same thing. And then he makes a statement, even if it's something wrong, do something. Now he's not, when he's saying do something wrong, he's not talking about doing something sin. No. Uh, you know... There was been several times where Sherry and I have moved, and uh, we've we talked about this many times. Uh, we've had different moves, and all the moves that we feel like we made, we made it because God led us to. There's only one move out of those moves that we felt like we 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 missed God. Uh, we we made the wrong move, uh, you know. And so, and I'm just using that one example. And that that particular move was wrong. And
1: and it, like Dave said, it, it wasn't in sin. We actually. Thought it was a God thing because it, it made sense. We were blessing someone else in the 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 church by renting from them to help them out so they could have renters who were careful of their property. Uh, but it turned out that we jumped ahead of God and God even even that God still used it to to get us back in the in the direction that He wanted for us. Sorry. Yeah, break.
0: no, that's fine. That's fine. And I'm not saying we haven't made other mistakes. I'm just using that one as one example. But uh, as an example of doing something wrong. There's, there's times that we've all done something and uh, leaning on our own understanding or getting ahead of God. Uh, you know, a lot of times when people have a, a vision for ministry or whatnot, they, they get a vision and they just go and jump out and do it. I believe we need to go do it, but I believe there's also sometimes the right timing. I think there's also the right way of doing it. But at that point in time, that doesn't mean there's not going to be risk. There can be wish. There's a difference between doing something foolish. There's a difference between doing something in the flesh and versus doing something because God told you to do it. And some of those things can be major, major, major steps. But there are something God's told you to do. You know, Noah building a big boat. i not just that he built a big boat when there hadn't rained yet, but he built on top of a mountain. I mean, everything was backwards. Yeah, I mean, if you listen, if you think there might be a chance of a flood. Uh, at least build it in the valley, or near some water. Uh, But he built it on the mountain, he built you know, he built it, and he trusted God. And he took some big risks. And it wasn't just a little hobby, he spent hundreds of years building that boat, you know. uh, He got mocked and ridiculed until it started raining. Until it it was too late, you know. And so, uh, but it's a a, a strategy to pray for your life to change to be different if you keep doing the same thing. Some, some of us need to, we need to do something different. We've been, we've been around this mountain so many times, whatever the case, it's time to do something new. And I'm not just trying to, I'm not advocating to do something new just to do something new. We need to listen God. We need, my, but the key thing I want to get across is yes, there's risk involved. Yes, we need to go do it. But actually, if we have a relationship with God, we're not going to make the wrong move. We're not going. It might look foolish. It might look backwards. But we're going to do what God calls us to do. You know, here's another example. Paul, Paul and Silas, they prayed about going to Asia, and they, the Holy Spirit forbid them. They wanted to go to Bithynia. I don't know if I pronounce it right, but God forbid them. Finally, they had a dream about a man in chains in Macedonia. They go to Macedonia. They reach one person that we know of. Uh, and then a demon possessed gal. And they get thrown in prison. They were in the darkest part of the prisons. And most of us, if we were in that position, if in ministry, Lord, I wanted to go here. You wouldn't let me. I wanted to go here. and You wouldn't let me. And I went here instead. I only saw one person go get saved. And we get thrown in the dungeon. We get whipped and beaten. And they're in chains and stock holes in the deepest part of the dungeon. And most of them were ripe and complaining, but not Paul and Silas. They were worshiping God, and there was an earthquake, and they got to see the janitor and his entire household come to Christ. And there was still more ministry beyond that. In the natural, at the beginning, it looked like they made the wrong choice. But they went where God told them to go, and the results were different. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, "We know that God's able to deliver us, but even if He doesn't, we're not going to bow down." They knew that God could deliver. We they knew that God was faithful, but they, you know, you know, we've been promised that God will deliver us out of our troubles. But we haven't always been pro- promised that God. We, you know, when, when persecution comes, we haven't always been promised that we're not going to be a martyr. We haven't been promised that. But even if we are martyrs, we get to be with the Lord, so we win. But anyway, I, can, I need to switch gears. But sometimes we need to, we've been trying this for so long. And we need to have a relationship with God. The Lord shows us where to go, shows us what to do. And some of those changes are something that God has been birthing in us all along. I mean, Andrew gives the illustration of us being in heaven, and and, and God saying, here is what I created to do, and we, hypothetically, come back and say, I knew that was in my heart. That's a dream I've always had. I knew there was something more. And there's some things I know I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to be in ministry. I mean, I remember preaching to my teddy bears when I was a toddler. They're still not saved. But anyway, and I, but I knew I couldn't make it happen on my own. There's times I tried to make it on going on my own. And, but then there's times where I know I haven't. And yet, I can't say it was always a bed of roses. We've had some very good, uh, what I call success. And to me, success is not the money. It's not how many people are in the pew or in the partnership base or how much um, tithes and offerings we're getting. To me, success is, is being in the center of God's will. To me, success is, is doing what God has called me to do, do, no matter what the results are. That's success to me. The success to me is doing what God called me to do. Being where God calls me to be, no matter what it looks like. And that, there's, a, there's a satisfaction, there's a holy satisfaction and fulfillment of doing what God calls to do. Here's another thing he says, you have to go for it. The world is looking for God. They are looking in all the wrong places, and one of the reasons is because the people who are born again aren't living in the fullness of their God given callings. We're called to be a witness. Some of us are, are limiting God and not doing what God is called to do because we have a fear of failure. And while that when all that's happening, the world that is looking for for answers, for healing, for success, for for for, for, for help. They're looking in all the wrong places because the church is asleep. Even in this COVID, even while while some churches are being closed down, the church is alive. It's not a denomination. It's not a building. It's a people. It's a spiritual organism. And I I praise God for buildings and different things. There are resources They're tools that we can use to reach and whatnot. I believe in the assembly of the body of Christ. We need that. The early church were steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. Fellowship, prayer, and the breaking of bread. I got those out of order, but it's still four things. Fellowship is as crucial as hearing the Word of God. We need fellowship. We need the, we need people we can touch and fellowship and different things. At the same point in time, we're not limited by different things. We, you know, even through this, this live stream, we have the potential of reaching the world. And it doesn't cost us a dime. This is not costing us a dime. To, to, to live stream this and yet we can reach the world. And some of us have a fear of failure. We have a fear of man. We have a fear of being videotaped or even taking a picture of anything. Uh, you know I'm just using that as an example. I'm not picking on anybody but I'm not trying to but but the the, the world should be looking to the church. The ch- world should be flocking to our doors like they flock to Jesus because we as born again spirit filled believers we have the answer to everything the world desires. He's the desire of all nations, all generations, all culture groups. We have the answer, but some of us, the world can't find the answer because we are too afraid to do what God's called us to do. Another thing that he says, but that again, he's hypothetically talking, but says, some of us will say, God... He, he Andrew paints a picture of God talking to us, but that's not what I called you to do. God's not called us to. There's some things that we we, we set ourselves out to. Maybe we've got trophies, or maybe we we've had natural accomplishments. And I, you know, praise God for your accomplishments. But are they doing? Are you doing what God called you to do? Any natural accomplishments I like get in the natural if they're not if they're not something God called me to do, and if they're something that I did in the flesh in my own effort and my own strength without relying on God, to me they're meaningless. And I don't mean to be disrespectful by saying that. There's some things that there's some things that people have accomplished that are, are remarkable. But the me success is being in the center of God's will. God can say wants to say to some of us, but that's not what I called you to do. Why didn't you do what I called you to do? I, li- I love this last part. I created you to do this, but you never did because you did not believe me. Walking in the fear of the Lord is trusting God. Walking in the fear of the Lord is believing God. We need to believe God. And if we can't believe God to do what God's called to do, what are we going to do when all hell springs there's a verse in Jeremiah that says, if we can't handle it when the foot soldiers are here, what are we going to do when the horsemen come? And I'm not trying to speak fear. <laughs> That's exactly what we're speaking against. But there's things going on that this world things that are going to, Paul talked about and Jesus talked about, it, James, John prophesied it. He wrote a whole book about things coming on the earth. Jesus said, many hearts will wax cold of the things coming on the earth. Terrible times are coming. Jesus promised it because of the birth pains of our Lord and Savior returning. And there's a lot I can expound on that. But there's there's a job that needs to be done because there's people that need to be saved. There's people that need to be saved. And if it costs me my life to do it, then so be it. We need to get out of our comfort zones. We need to take our thumb out of our mouth, pick up our big boy, big boy pants and girl pants, and we need to believe God, trust God, do what God calls to do. Start doing something. Sometimes we need to make a change. And I'm not just talking about doing something to do something. Have a relation. Do what God's called to do. Well, I don't know what God's called me to do. Pray. Spend time with God. Be in His Word. Spend time in the Spirit. If you don't know what all that I'm uh, talking about, praying in the spirit is, contact us. We'll lead you in that direction. We have, we have uh, uh, blogs on our, our website that can also help you in that situ- in those, those things. Um, God, God has called us to do more, many of us to do more than we are doing because we have limited him because of fear. Fear of man, fear of success, fear of failure. Just plain old fear. And uh, um, we need to do what God's called us to do. We need to do what God calls us to do. And we, some of us, we need to find out what that is. And so those things, and when you spend time with God, asking Him what to do, some of the things that He's going to call you to do are going to be something that you are like, God, you got to be crazy. There's no way I can do that. That sounds like God to me. Because it it's something that you have to trust Him, it's something that you have to rely on Him, to me, I believe that's God. Because we, I'm a big God. I can go story after story after story in the Word of God, telling you things that God called people to do that were beyond their natural comprehension. God's a big God. I'm not saying just go out there foolishly, you know, even we even we're, I was talking to my father-in-law a, a few weeks ago. Even when ministry, God always sent them out by twos. He sent them out the seventy, the twelve. He sent them out by twos. Even Paul didn't go out and do ministry by himself. He had Silas, Silas. He had he had Barnabas. He had Mark, and Luke was with them many times. If you read the book of Acts, he says we. he's he's the author of the book of Acts, so anytime he says we, Luke is there too, and there's some other people who who uh, were with them as well. He didn't do ministry alone, and uh, he didn't do it foolishly. But sometimes he did things like that that people encouraged him not to do. One of those things was going to Jerusalem, and uh, and and towards the end of the the, the 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 book of Acts, we see that testimony. But you know, he was trusting God, and I if I'm gonna do something wrong, I wanna I wanna fail, endeavoring to trust God versus failing because I didn't do anything, and so. Is this supposed to stretch us? Absolutely. You know, uh, I believe we need to be stretched. I don't think God saved us, redeemed us, filled us with the Spirit just so we can sit in our pews and sit in our homes and whatnot. There's a time that we need a sabbatical. There's a time we need to be refreshed. But I don't know about you, but I'm more refreshed doing the will of the Father than I am refreshed having my own little pity party. I'm not refreshed by playing it safe. And I'm not saying, talking about doing, doing things that are stupid and foolish. But I'm talking about doing what God calls to do, and some of the things God calls to do may be something that causes us to take our life. Now, I'm not talking about suicide. I'm not talking about foolish, but it might be a martyr. It might mean, in a sense, laying down our life to see someone, see hundreds, see, see thousands, maybe even millions come to Christ because of something that we did in trying to and endeavoring to obey God and do what He calls to do. And even if we lay down our life, and one came to the kingdom. Like Paul did when he first got to the Macedonia, and so be it, so be it, so be it, because that that definitely is what God called him to do. God and Paul, by doing that, got thrown into prison. He got whipped. It was not pleasurable. It was torture. And yet he saw a whole household come to Christ because he was willing to be tortured for someone to come to Christ. That's awesome. I'm not talking about, again. I'm not. I keep repeating myself because some people hear what I'm saying and they take it the wrong way. I'm not talking about doing something foolish. I'm not talking. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't lean on your own. Know what God has called you to do, and go do it. Go do it. You know, if God needs to bring you a Jonathan, if God needs to bring you an Aaron like with Moses, if God needs to bring you uh, someone to help you, then so be it a Silas, a Barnabas, uh, uh, you know, a Luke, whatever the case may be, then so be it. You have anything to share, Sherry?
1: Just to encourage you, if if you're feeling something on your heart and you're like, oh my gosh, God, that's like too big for me, I encourage you to read about all the heroes in the Bible. Look at each one of them. I mean, I, I could start listing them, but Moses when God called him, he had all kinds of excuses not to be the one to lead the, the people of Israel. God used him. Gideon. Gideon was in his own words, you know, pretty much the, the, the littlest, the weakest, whatever in the family. God used him. David messed up big time. God used him. I mean just just go down the list of each one. Not one of them was perfect. Abraham lied. He's, he's the father of nations. Uh, Peter we referred to, you know, had a mouth on him, did all kinds of stuff. But he was the only one that walked on the water. He, he was the one who stood up uh, after Pentecost and, and led 3,000 to be saved. I mean, all of these people Paul who's one of my personal heroes he persecuted the church and yet Murder. a lot of the a lot of the the I don't have my Bible with me but a lot of the the New Testament was written by Paul God got a hold of him and talk about risk he left all of that behind he said it was all all done all of his accomplishments but for Jesus that was. That was his purpose, that was his delight, that was his calling, that, that was it for him. And so I encourage you. And you know, just just a, a thought to put out there, you know, we're, we're talking about relationship with God, we're about talking about trusting and believing God and, and taking that risk. A lot of times when Dave and I are, are making a decision, uh, seeking God to show us the, the direction, the way to go, God usually puts it on one of our hearts, and then the other person um, soon comes alongside to to agree or say, whoa, on it. But every single time, even if it's a big risk, God leads us by His peace. If you have that peace, even in the uncertainty of that unknown risk, I encourage you to go for it. And I encourage you, reach out to us either on the, on on Facebook, on our website, mess Facebook Messenger. If you it, want to run it by us, just run it by us so we can pray with you, or, or, ta- or talk more, or even help you. Uh, please do so. Please do so. so.
0: Yeah, yeah. We would love to help you if we can. Uh, go do it. Do it. Anyway, uh, there's something I was gonna comment on what you just said, but anyway, I'm gonna close this out. We've been doing Andrew's one with Don't Limit God. We'll be back here next week, 6 o'clock. We'll be here for, uh, we're going to keep these Bible studies going now. Uh, there should be an interruption if there is. We'll let you know. Uh, so we have Sunday morning here. By the time we get uh, to the live streaming, it's about 11.15 15. Uh, and then uh, in the morning, and then uh, 6 o'clock, uh, we have this live stream Don't Limit God. We're going to do some more uh, uh, in the near future. Uh, we're going to even try to get some Zoom ones going and whatnot. Anyway, God bless you, uh, and uh, let me just pray us out. Lord, I just thank you for your word, and Lord, I don't know who we minister to or whatnot, but Lord, again, even during this Bible study, we're just trying to trust you, and you know, Lord, you told us to do this, and Lord, I just speak your encouragement over anyone who might be listening, whatever the case may be, and Lord, I, I, I speak your blessing on every family, every individual that's listening, I will, I'll speak your blessing on their, their health their finances, their family, every single need that they have. But I thank you, Lord. Uh, I know we're talking a lot about taking risks and different things, but, Lord, I pray more importantly that all of us have a living relationship with you, not just being born again. And, Lord, if there's not someone born again, I thank you, Lord, for leading that person to Christ. And if you are listening, I just encourage you to reach out to us. We would love to lead you into to, to have a relationship with God. But Lord, other of us who are born again, Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow in our relationship with you. Lord, I that you would take our relationship with you to new levels. Even in this COVID, and even in all these continuous lockdowns of various kinds, Lord, that we would take advantage of this to have a relationship with you. Lord, if we're too busy, in the ha- Lord, we can't afford in this day and hour, we can't afford even with everything going well to not have a relationship with you. Help us teach us to walk in the fear of the Lord, to walk in the Spirit, and to walk our lives in the lifestyle of relationship with you. We worship you, we magnify you, and bless this week as we go. In your name, we give you thanks. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. If you have any prayer requests, anything we can help you with, please reach out. If it's not here on Facebook Live, uh, message us. If you go to our website, it's posted here in the comments. at You can find our phone number for uh, the ministry whatnot. Uh, Send us an email, whatever you want to do. We're we're here for you. Uh, We're here to serve. That's what God's called us to do. And uh, despite the challenges we've had, that's what God's called us to do. And we are here to do it faithfully. In Jesus' name, name, we give you Him thanks. And we bless you. We love you. And we'll see you soon. All right, God bless.